Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume nine, issue 429. We're going to talk about the mark of Cree. Joining me, Leon Cox, in issue 429. We don't have a mark, but we do have a Cree, a Regan. Thanks, Leon. Yeah, hello, everyone. <laughs> and uh, Leah Haydu. Hello. And also Tony Atkins. Hello. So it's a 18-year-old game, but we'll issue the spoiler warning. Nevertheless, for those who don't know, it's always a spoiler show when we do a, a game on Cane and Rinse, but some games are more spoilable than others. This was released by Sony. It was developed by Sony San Diego. It was Sony San Diego's first game since The Mark of Cree. They have made a lot of MLB The Show games, a few NBA games, uh, some Little Big Little Big Planet karting. They worked on that with other developers and also the Mod Nation Racers games. But yeah, uh, along with a few other bits and bobs, they are primarily the Major League Baseball The Show studio. The creators of this game went off to form another studio, more of which later. Uh, Jay Beard, actually Jonathan, was the exec producer on the game, and the lead artist was Jeff Remmer. Uh, again, what, what I found interesting looking at the CVs, the credits of most of the staff involved in this game, is that after this game, <laughs> they didn't, hardly any of them went on to anything else, and uh, that's... <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Uh, obviously, for those, it's not true for everyone. So I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to lump everyone in. But there's quite a few of the key staff whose kind of time with the games industry didn't start, but possibly ended with this and/or the game that came after it. Uh, but Jeff Remmer had previously worked on the 1994 Shadow Run and uh, Vector Man as well on the Mega Drive. But yeah, curious stuff. Um, we'll talk more about the art, of course. Uh, Jack Wall was a composer. We'll talk more about the music. And the game came out first in North America, where it was made in July 2002. There was a hefty gap because that's how things used to work. Not like these days. We had to wait until March 2003 for the European release. Don't remember if it had anything such as a 60 hertz option in PAL territories, because I never had a PS2 copy. Not more often than not, in 2003, it would have been just... Here's your PAL version, possibly slower, possibly bordered. And Japan had to wait yet another uh, seven months for this game to be localized. So it was well over a year old by the time it reached Japan. Fortunately, for in terms of accessibility, because not everyone keeps their old machines around, or certainly not hooked up. Not everyone is like our Chris, uh, but there is a PS4 release. It's uh, part of the sort of limited number of games that, were re-released by Sony on the digital store with PS2 emulation upscaled to 1080p, not 4K, uh, smoother frame rate than the original games in a lot of cases just because of processing power and trophy support, including a platinum, uh, came out in 2015. Usually the regular price is around $15 or 12 quid, but I've seen it as low as sort of 75% off or something, $5. Uh, that's 66% off. <laughs> uh, isn't it anyway nah. <laughs> um, i paid 12 <laughs> okay you paid 12 quid i think i paid four quid possibly uh 
Reviews-wise, it did pretty well. There were a few sixes and a few nines at the outlying ends of the scales, but uh, but a lot of sevens and eights or thereabouts, and the game rankings average was 81% until they took that resource away from me. User reviews are harder to come by. Push Square doesn't even have an entry for this game, the PlayStation-dedicated site, which is weird. Uh, on the IMDb, 63 people have put in a score for the game. They, they've got it as 7.8 out of 10 which is quite similar to the uh, to the critical published professional reviews. Sales-wise, I had no data until I read an article by Anthony Frasina on reviewfix.com from last year, and I don't know where he got his data from, but he says in the piece, The Mark of Cree was a modest hit, selling 460,000 units upon release. So... Our own histories with this game. This was Chris O'Regan's pick for the volume for our Volume 9 2020 shows. Why? Why? I first found out about this game probably about two or three years after its release. Um, and in an article written in The Edge magazine, which is still going. I still can't believe it. It is. Back in, and, back in stores. Um, yeah. Um, I... It was all about the mechanics and how important the mechanics were about this game. And they were just, it was very much a design piece, which people might not have some enthusiasm about. And even back then, I was sort of very intrigued by it. But yeah, that's my history with the, with the game. Leah, you were in the territory where it came out the first, but were you there in July 2002? I wasn't. I, uh, well, I, w- I would have been in, uh, in, almost finishing up college in 2002 um and uh i had a ps2 at the time but i did not i don't even think that i heard of uh mark of kree until uh pretty a pretty significant number of years later it probably would have been when i was working at gamestop which would have been 2008 2009 uh and yeah i saw the game around i had heard it mentioned by people but it it, it wasn't anything that i ever I, I it was kind of background like i didn't really um i wasn't avoiding it like i hadn't like looked into it and seen it. i don't think this is for me but i also hadn't picked it up and thought oh yes this is for me it was just kind of there mm-hmm. so um it, it didn't catch my attention really one way or the other so the first time that i have played it is actually for this recording. I played uh, over the past few weeks. Um, I guess I finished it about a week ago. Uh, I played the PS4 version, which I already had on my PS4 uh, hard drive. I don't know when I bought it. Um, <laughs> it was probably in this. Classic. This is this is a pretty common theme with me. We were uh, yeah. we were uh, talking before the show uh, about how uh, I'm starting to. Uh, catalog all of my games so that mm. i don't do things like purchase uh duplicate copies <laughs> of things when when they're yeah. on sale uh but yes i already had a copy on my ps4 so i installed that and downloaded it played through it uh and uh i had a pretty good experience with it up until uh, a certain point in the game which we will get to uh <laughs> later on but uh yeah I, uh, of, uh, five sixths of it <laughs> yes exactly yeah. five sixths of a good game <laughs> yeah yeah sorry more more later okay, well, yes. <laughs> Slightly more complex than that, but yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, for sure. Tony, uh, did you also just play this for the show? I did just play this for the show. Um, yeah. yeah, so my first experience of actually mm. handing controller, you know, 20. 20. <laughs> um, yep. But no, I, you know, 
do you know there's box arts that you recognize, although you don't know anything about the game necessarily, that you, you see a box art, you see an image, and it, it that ingrains into your head more so than anything else. And I feel like this game is one of those. I know that image for a very mm. long time, whether I you know saw it on the shelves upon release or whether I just over the years have you know been familiar with the art and the art style. More so, I... I understand the legacy that this game has had with some of its mechanics. Um, obviously, we'd get we'd talk about the whole Batman kind of uh, crossover uh, with it, but it's yeah. There's there's elements of the game that I've always heard discussed. Um, so when it was came up as a, a possibility for the show, yeah, it was one that was like, Do you know what? I'd, I'd actually quite like now would be a good time to see whether you know the legacy is is justified or those mechanics it's always interesting to see these early door mechanics and how they're uh, represented in the uh, some of the original titles versus the later releases and stuff mm. now we'll, we'll we'll get into how it actually plays you know in, as a 2020 title versus upon release but yeah coming later yeah, in coming this later. issue yeah so uh yeah just to mention the differences in the box art now it's traditional to uh sort of rag upon our american friends for what is often, you know, just markedly inferior box art or aesthetically uh, <laughs> less kind of appropriate or whatever. But in this case, I don't think it's that clear cut at all. We got a slightly different box in Pal Territories. Uh, it's a close up of Rao, the hero, uh, looking determined and wielding an axe. If anything, I would have imagined that this, the Pal art, looks more like something you'd get on a US copy because they tend to be more overtly aggressive, violent, have kind of fiercer looking characters on the front. Whereas the US box art is actually a bit more contemplative. He's standing there. It's a full body shot and he's uh, he's got uh, this golden light behind him and he's holding his uh, spear staff rather than the axe. And yeah, it's all it's generally I think it captures the mood of the game a bit more accurately well you see uh, if you if you think of that that light behind him as uh, uh as fire instead then it's a cool guy uh, walking away from an explosion which is very uh, american <laughs> that's true that's true yeah and there's a sort of there's a hint of that light behind uh behind Raoul in the uh, in the pal version but it's uh, it's not as I, I wouldn't say it's as prettily rendered uh, the PAL version does bring uh, Kuzo, the, the mm. raven, slightly more to the fore, whereas in the, the American version, it's just a hint of a bird um, up to up and to his left. Um, or interesting why the yeah why these things used to be so different. And again, now release dates and cover art where, where applicable tends to be uh, uniform across the board. Yeah, uh, my history with the game. Well, I do remember this from the time of release. I absolutely do. I read the Edge review. So not the piece that Chris is talking about from some time down the road. The Edge review, I'm pretty certain it was an eight. And I'm pretty certain I remember thinking, that sounds interesting. I'll get that at some point. For some reason I never did. Never even picked it up cheap. It was, I, I was spending as much money then on games as I do to this day. I would have seen it because there was an absolute glut of secondhand stores where, mm. where I live back in the day. I would have seen it multiple times for increasingly low prices. And just for whatever reason, I never got around to buying it, despite fundamentally being quite interested in it. Uh, so, yeah, in the end, just uh, when Chris put it forward, I was absolutely uh, yeah delighted to finally get the chance to play through it, put myself down to host the show and uh, picked it up on PS4, I think, in a sale, hence the cheap price. Played it through 
yeah, uh, also a couple of weeks ago and finished it about a week ago. There or thereabouts. Now, I was going to say, you, you gave the developer your money, but although I'm not sure, well, I suppose Sony would have taken your uh, yeah, money. Sony, well, the second hand store anyway. <laughs> Sony gets something out of it. Uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, here we are. So the scenario is, well, according to the PS Store blurb, stealth and strategy meet brutal combat in the Mark of Cree, the PlayStation 2 classic that sees heroic warrior Rao and his spirit guide Kuzo fighting to stop the forces of darkness from unleashing a terrible evil. So far, so generic, I suppose, but that's just the box blurb. Yeah, you play a, a great warrior being trained by mentor, an adopted father who hangs around in a pub. <laughs> Bao Musu. <laughs> um, he's already at the time of the start of the game. You've already learned a certain amount of stealth and sword skills. But as the as the game goes on, you go through some training modes and levels, which give you more and more skills. You pretty much pick up one new weapon per level. I think maybe you only get the bow on level three or something like that. Uh, is it the end of level two anyway? Um, and you get involved in dealings with mercenaries first but then a sinister character who turns up and you end up yeah embroiled within this evil quest for these marks of Cree, which are, are they they're like tattooed skin yeah effectively. Uh, yeah. yeah uh and yeah in the end of course you have to take down those who are trying to summon the uh you know bridge the it's the old bridging the the real world with the dark demonic forces of hell kind of situation but with a slightly polynesian style twist in in its look and feel but also a don bluth disney style twist um so the art and animation crew was composed of former disney animators that doesn't surprise me yeah that 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 yeah. was that's probably the heaviest thing that i personally got from the art style was mm. a very mm -hmm. disney uh inspired thing especially with yeah. some of the um kind of like interstitial uh yes. sketches that they that they put in that yeah. reminded me very heavily of that kind of thing <laughs> uh but yeah the scenario in itself i'd say like it didn't do a lot to uh, particularly stimulate me there's you know there's a kind of quite grand um portentous opening cut scene but i suppose just the fact that it was it had this character with with these sort of you know i guess it was around the era that quotes tribal tattoos were popular uh among you know uh western white people culturally appropriating <laughs> such <laughs> things but also here i think there's there was there was a you know an honest and and not cynical attempt to actually just set a game outside of the usual kind of scenarios. So I suppose it interested me in that regard in that this sort of, yeah, Polynesian and uh, that sort of, that's type of setting and tone and mood was something that I hadn't played, I suppose, a hundred times before, even in 2002. Yeah, we we're in the early 2000s and perhaps we were still, Sony had been making games for quite a while mm -hmm. at this point, but not decades and decades and I think generally we were at the start of not yeah, not quite at the, the very start, but in the early years of games being kind of afforded that much sort of um, thought in terms of their, uh, you know, pre-production and stuff like that, rather than we were coming out of the time when games were kind of, I suppose, just not just 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 sounds terribly dismissive. But um, 
I sp- yeah, sort of big studio productions that had a almost, uh, I suppose, a film studio type approach to the creative process rather than it being a bit more kind of um, not ad libbed and ad hoc as such, but a bit less structured and a bit a bit more kind of freewheeling kind of sparks of imagination and, you know, people coming up with ideas on, um, you know, cigarette packets and all that kind of thing. I think we were this was the early era of transitioning from that into the the kind of the massive, huge, big numbers studio productions we have today. Yeah, and I think when you're kind of talking about the scenario, I I think it's an earnest attempt at, at trying something a bit more interesting. Unfortunately, it just it it's a bit one one tonal um, in its delivery, and you know, is you, it? You can't, I, I would. There's you see the twists come in a mile like the first time. Oh, you yeah, meet. yes. The the, the, the the plots and the storyline are hackneyed as as we like, but yeah, I was thinking more about the experience in the game. I think is it one tone? I don't think it is. Story wise, yeah. I think story wise, yeah, you're right. It's like oh, really, really. <laughs> You know, um, but uh, I don't. I don't. I'd have to counter that it's a one-tone experience. I think scenario. What you may be alluding to, Chris, uh, as as Wikipedia says, a juxtaposition of cartoonish character designs and graphic violence, <laughs> while employing a unique visual style influenced by various Polynesian cultures and art, as well as the game's plot taking place in a Polynesian influenced fantasy setting and Maori mythology. So one one area in which perhaps the tone is a little confusing or skewed is that marriage of (laughs) children's cartoon visuals with uh with some quite gnarly assassinations smashing people's heads into walls nothing as graphic as you could see now uh and really in some ways not as graphic as things we'd already seen in the likes of you know mortal Kombat and whatever but yet because the animation is so rich and disney-esque when your character does grab a guard from round a corner and repeatedly smash their head into the wall. You might not get all the details and the particles and whatever else coming off, but it's quite it is quite violent for a game that looks like a Disney cartoon. From the from the point of view of you know, we can see we've seen a lot of more a lot more and yeah, you know, the visual design there's a lot, you know, more, more kind of um graphic nowadays. But from the point of view when I first started this up, I was I hadn't realised quite, I don't say how violent it is, and that sounds mm. weird with this title, but, you know, it is a violent title in its context of when it was released. So I'm just firing up and I'm doing the training level. I'm not really thinking anything. You know, my two seven-year-old daughters are in the background, you know, playing uh, Minecraft in, in the background, no problem. And I'm thinking, yeah, this is, Rated a, M for this, mature. This is a perfect <laughs> yes, game is. to be playing around them. To the first, like, st- stealth kill where I, you know, lop someone's head off and my daughter turns around and goes, huh. That's a bit yeah. violent. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. ah, maybe like, actually for a seven year old, this probably it kind of it's I feel like they, they're probably past that now. But even then it's like, OK, yeah, well, this you still see dismemberment. You still see people being yeah. stabbed multiple times and, you know, put on a on a, you know, a pike and then skewer yeah. down slowly. Mm-hmm. Like, there, there's elements in there that I was like, OK, I think I need to play this after they've gone to bed, even yeah. though it's not like this won't corrupt them at the same time. No. This this is just a you know even in you know 2020 this is probably just that bit too far for a seven year yeah. old so that gives There's it no nudity some no bad language no, but no, it's no. a 15 plus because of the killings mm. yeah I, I think that maybe it's it's a little more the the violence um, like Tony was saying is is maybe not the most graphic but 
it's a little it's all the more surprising because it is coming from something that at first glance mm-hmm. i think that i basically before i started playing this game uh, and before i had really looked into it kind of saw it as like a, a not exactly like a, a lion king aladdin type platformer yeah, yeah. but but mm-hmm. something closer to that than to more like tarzan yeah or something something moana, to that effect as we'll talk about later yeah sure no, that's where i was as well i was kind yeah. of like moana look at this kind of cool yeah 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 <laughs> According to Giant Bomb's entry on the game, the art style is very a very distinct combination of Polynesian, Asian, South American and old European cultures, with the character designs similar to both Disney and Don Bluth's own unique styles. Most of the artists on the game's team came from prestigious companies such as Warner Brothers, Disney, DreamWorks and Don Bluth, thus explaining the artistic direction. Yeah, it was actually Don Bluth. The who was uh, Disney in the 70s, I think, and went on to make uh, Dragon's Lair, of course, and Space Ace, the Laserdisc games. Actually, the the look of the the dogs and the characters in the inn, I just thought that is totally looks like uh, students of Don Bluth's. (laughs) So it has a Disney-esque look to it because that's where he was. But it also has a specifically Bluth-esque look to some of it. Something that I I found uh, interesting regarding the art style and and specifically the the main character is that if and we've seen this in in discussions of recent games if this were a modern game i think that people may may have made more out of the fact that this is not a generic uh, western white male protagonist you know it's yeah, right. it, it's yeah. un, it's it's a more uh, a more unusual person to see in that lead role and I, I, I kind of like that that's not, you know, some huge statement that they're making or anything like that. But but I do find it interesting because it is so heavily reliant on that type of mm. art and, and all of those influences that you get from having that kind of setting and that and that uh, cast of characters. Um, yeah. So but but yeah, yeah. I, I kind of found it interesting that just kind of looking around, I didn't other than noting that, yes, this is a uh, a game that's that has those inspirations uh, that, that incorporates those inspirations. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't a, oh, you know, it's it's not, uh, it won't sell because, you know, he doesn't have a gun. Mm. Like, it, I, I yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's refreshing. <laughs> he's okay. He's got an axe. Uh, yeah, and yeah, sword, it's fine. That axe is great. And I love the axe. <laughs> yeah. But yes, he is still a big, not, uh, he's not white, but he's he's lighter skinned. Mm. He's a big muscly man. So it perhaps didn't seem like too much of a, of a gamble. But it's interesting. What extraordinary, uh, again, uh, sort of coincidence coincidence i i assume either that or we we have more fans in in (laughs) high places than i'm aware of but an article came out on 17th of july 2020 about this game a contributor to eurogamer john hamblin uh was uh was moved to write about the mark of cree and how it influenced the batman arkham games which we've covered all of uh, at this point on the cane rinse podcast john hamblin said in this piece Mark of Cree is a non-stop murder spree, and while its art style suggests cartoon fun, its pure lone wolf and cub arterial spurting violence in the gameplay. It's the pretzel flips of the double-A game world, a strange flavour combination that excites the taste buds while confounding the brain. Of course, such an approach was bound to generate some controversy among parents, and the game also faced a fierce cultural appropriation backlash in the Maori community, who pointed out that the badass tribal tattoo that Rao sported was actually a moko, a tattoo traditionally worn by Maori women. So they weren't as careful as they should. See, I love been that. In I that love regard. the fact someone going, look, you got that wrong. Like, <laughs> yeah. seriously, guys. Yeah. 
Yeah. This is why you never get a tribal tattoo. I'd, yeah. I'd also say, you know, how would this game, if this was represented in a 2020 game, like, I, I feel like... They it's probably would have had some Maori people on the staff to help them out with that. But no, but, but not even that. Like, I, I feel like the way that it, it transfers from being quite Disney-esque cartoon in style to killing. But, you know, mm-hmm. like, I feel like now, if they were doing it, there would still be blood splatter across the faces of people or on the ground. Like, there would be a lot... Yeah. More, more. The tech would have allowed it. Which right? is fine, but actually I quite like the fact that you can go for, you know, a minute or two with it being one visual style and then it goes to quite violent, but then it almost quickly, you know, almost instantaneously goes back to just <laughs> being like this Disney-looking game yeah. um, instead yeah. of having these, you know, and the tech didn't allow I know that, but it, it just, it, no, it's this mean. weird kind of like on-off switch that it goes between a platformer and... the dynamic because you had... When you were attacking enemies, when they got bloodied and bruised and they were low on health, they were pretty. That was pretty grim. Yeah, I think I think that's true. But what's what's only saying is once the violence is over, you literally, if you leave, like the bodies stay as well in this game, don't they? Uh, yes. Which is yes. not always the case. Uh, so you have an actual visual record of your violence, mm-hmm. which is you know something that can be used. Uh, either as a gameplay aid and assist, which I think it actually is at points in this game where the visibility isn't always tremendous, but it's also a it can be a statement, can't it, on on the nature of your your character and things like that. But I still think Tony's also right in that. So yeah, you walk away from a scene that where you've just killed four people. You go around the corner and it's like Winter yeah, Wonderland. you're just back in almost yeah. like a Mega Drive <laughs> sort of era children's Disney platformer again or something. Yeah, which is which is slightly odd. Also from the giant bomb entry, this is one thing that strikes, I think, certainly uh, caught my eye. The cutscenes in the game, both pre- and post-mission, unfold with sketches being drawn as the narrator, a servant to Rao, telling the story. The highlight of this being that the last picture before the mission starts is fully coloured in. And then as the game loads, the exact pose, camera angle and locale shown in that last picture become the starting point of the mission. Yeah, it's a really nice touch, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, quick question. Uh, I always thought that the narrator was the bird. Is that? It is, am I, yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it's, it's acting At here the like end, the narrator is just yeah. random. Okay, yeah. it does show you. That's right. But yeah, Kuzo yeah. is like, there are two characters in this game, actually. Yeah. Uh, maybe, well, actually yeah, more than that. Yeah. Sorry, you're right. There's a whole list of, there's a whole cast of yeah. uh, people, but the two yeah. primary characters, the ones you have mm. interactions with, sorry, or are indeed controlling, are Kuzo and Raoul. Um, I'm sure this is more just a, a quirk of the PlayStation 4 version, the, the version I played. But going from what seems like the original um, PS2 FMVs, oh boy, um, boy. from yeah. from the 1080p <laughs> gameplay, um, is quite quite a joke. It's, I mean, I love it because oh, I I love the old FMVs from the time. They they, they have a certain yeah. place in my heart. But just going from what seemed like a 1080p, fairly nice, cleaned up version of the game to... Yes. Wow, it's it's quite a quite a jump I, in quality. It is, <laughs> yeah, it looks... I assume... I, I'm not technical, but I assume it's to do with the fact that obviously you can upscale the game in the you engine and, yeah. ma- and all you can do with the FMV is spread it further across without using one of those modern... They could have spent the money on using one of those amazing modern um, artificial intelligence or whatever it's called... Um, upscalers. We were talking about this for the Curse of Monkey Island show because somebody's done it for the um, with the opening cutscene of the Curse of Monkey Island, mm-hmm. and it looks absolutely brilliant. Mm. It looks so good compared to the original, now quite grainy '97 FMV version. But here, uh, Sony obviously they're you know making 
a, a bit of money out of these uh, reselling these PS2 games yet again, as they did on PS3 before and now on PS4. But they weren't prepared to put an enormous amount of money into the process. Yep. So, yeah, you get grainy ass FMV. <laughs> Yeah, I, I recently uh, replayed Final Fantasy VIII and had some similar because that's an that's a PS one game. Oh, so some yeah. of some of the, the, the gameplay they looks amazing really, back then. Yeah, well, <laughs> the ga- and the gameplay looks really good now, and and even the FMVs still look pretty good. But there is just a huge gap between when you go to because Micro those blocking. haven't Ooh. really been upscaled because you kind of can't. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I, yeah. you can, but more, again, yes. more expensive. A lot of squinting. A lot of yes. squinting. Yes. Just squint. Yeah, it's uh, I guess on the PlayStation 2 version, it will kind of just amalgamates together. It's, it's not quite so bad, but it, it's quite... Yeah. I think that's right, yeah. I, I don't have what the, the PS2 game's resolution would have been, but uh, less than half, probably mm-hmm. a quarter of what the, we, the upscale... we move on, I wonder what the reasoning for Sony to, to jump... I mean, obviously money, yes, but the reason to jump back in to remake or re-release this from yeah. the, the vault. Like... It's I would like, assume it's because it's one that they completely the, own. Like, it's their studio. Yeah. I, I think, I, and, and I'm not 100% on this, rep. but yeah, I mean, it's it's reasonably... Well, there are there are other games. I was looking earlier at a list of the, uh, the PS2 games that have been re-released as PS4, mm. uh, as PS2 originals on the PS4, and yeah. there's some strange choices in there. Like, there's stuff that you would expect. Like, there's the, you know, the GTA games, and there's... Uh, yep. d- d- Parappa. but but then yes, Parappa, Parappa like things things that um that are Sony first party yeah. uh that you would expect, and then there's stuff like Primal or uh the one that I yeah. was the one that I was very excited about was Okage Demon King, which I think approximately <laughs> five people have played, including me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll take it back. Yeah. So another thing I think we sometimes find that sort of surprises us. Well, maybe I'm speaking for everyone here, but for me. One of the things that I really notice now when I do play games from this generation or before, probably not from the 2D era, 8 and 16-bit consoles, but particularly from the early you know, PS1, PS2, N64 era, is that audio is often feels surprisingly sparse when you go back to games. Because at the time, we were like, well, basically, we can do sound now, yeah, because everything's uh, sampled or cu- and coming from a disc and so it's got everything in it but what you re- what you don't i think it, it's one of the areas where it's happened the 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 increase in sort of quality of foley work and sp- spot effects has happened so sort of subtly and organically over time that you it, it take you have to really concentrate now when you're playing a modern AAA game to even mm-hmm. kind of notice what the audio artists are doing because there's so much of it and it's so clever. So when you go back to a game from this era and like, oh, a bird tweeted, oh, some wind blew, <laughs> it's like that. Do you know what I mean? Um, so no, I do. That he's got foot. He, you can hear his footprints. Um, exactly. And they change yeah. upon you know being a wooden area or a grass exactly, like exactly and it's exactly. yeah they're really basic but at the same and not really basic, but you know it's like you say yeah. if you hear that in a modern game it doesn't even register oh it just sounds like life cool yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like oh we, yeah they, they had different spot effects for different yeah, that's cool yeah <laughs> yeah but but that's course cool. so that's not to say that the individual sounds yeah but the sounds the individual mm. sounds chosen even if there's far fewer of them they they still need to be effective to to sell the combat and tell the story, right, well, Chris? What, what were you? I was Chris? just about to say, we, we know we, we've been joking about the stealth aspects, but it's really important. It and is, also yeah. Also, the, uh, the 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 focus thing, the use of focus, and uh, 
the the, cla- the gong clashing whenever you're like you got someone have I you've been spotted yeah yeah you know or when, you, when you've yeah, again <laughs> or when you've uh, uh, when you're actually uh, crawling along a wall or you know, just pacing yourself getting to a corner of a of a, of a building or something and uh, you just put your focus out and you're like I'm gonna hit someone hit someone and it does and they're like, there they are they're actually standing behind the wall you knew that anyway because Guzo with his visions told you that but yeah it's it's just that really very crunchy sort of I can never describe it it's sort of like there's another word tactile <laughs> uh, word, uh, the sort of way of just sort of using sound as well as the visuals to inform the player of what is going on and that that was quite a quite a, a quite a thing I found with uh, yeah, really. it's not subtle. It's quite yeah. heavy-handed, but but that in but in a works. way that that helps the player. Yeah, yeah. that I, I I agree uh, completely with what Chris was saying. I there's there's a lot of uh, kind of like set piece fights where that's a that's a mechanic, right? Like you 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 can see because he's marked the guy who has the the horn that will call all the other dudes, and you want to get that guy first because if yeah. he sees you, then everybody's yeah. gonna see you. Uh, and you know, I found myself some games I can play while uh, I'm talking to somebody else or while I'm on the phone or while you know, I could not do that with this one. No. I I, no. <laughs> I had to be listening the entire time and I had to be, you know, actually actively paying attention. I'm not good at stealth games like at all. Me neither. Uh, and no. I, I find myself getting really frustrated often if I am playing the type of stealth game that once you are seen, it's all over. And I don't think that this is one of those games. I, I think that, well, oh, with, really? some, with some exceptions. I thought it kind of was. <laughs> with, well, with, with some exceptions, Depends. yes. Yeah. Depends on the section, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I, I mean, it's it's not always one of those games, I will say. Um, mm. So... Yeah. You know, it, it it becomes very important. It is difficult, though, to get yourself out of a situation if, especially right. if you're in yeah. uh, an area where there are a number of enemies who all have seen you at the same time and you don't have one of the weapons that it equips you to handle that situation yeah. yet, uh, which you don't yeah. get until pretty late in the game. But uh, but yeah, the sound is is it, it is pretty simple. It is not. It, it's kind of obvious, but I found it to be very effective in in enabling you to kind of deal with those situations. Its use in helping the player made me think. Obviously, it's in some ways it seems harsh to criticize a, an eighteen year old game for not doing things that games are really only starting to do well now. But this game is still on sale, so <laughs> we've been talking about the accessibility options in contemporary games both praising efforts from particularly from Microsoft and Sony in recent times in their big games, putting in loads of accessibility options for all kinds of considerations. But I don't actually know how playable this game would be to a deaf person because so much of the sto- the the informing of the player, informing the player of what's going on is in the audio. Like there is just no visual cues for for some of it. There's yeah. not even subtitles, so I expect not very. Oh, okay. <laughs> I would yeah, say completely. at least you can have the, the bird's eye view of the, the kind of the area and you can at least mark, mark, you know, well, not necessarily mark on the map, but, you know, understand who's got the horn. You'd quickly, okay, <laughs> the, the feet, okay. The first time, the first time you run into the, uh, an, important thing uh, to understand. into um, an area and you, you'd quickly work out you would need to kill the guy, that guy. 
Yeah, yeah, and yeah, if yeah. you could then mark them off a That's true. Again, they you know. do. It does show who's got the horn. Exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. that, it's oh, very important. Dear. It really does. It, it does. It does. It literally yeah. does. And uh, I, I hadn't even thought about the uh, the the comedy value of that. But yes, I, I as you a definitely don't want rubbish, him to blow the horn. That's the, that's as, the issue. <laughs> as a rubbish stealth player, I was very. I very much approved of the visible horns, um, yeah. Because you know it means that you can play. So we got pipes. Anyway, we've got horns. We got- we're, get, we're getting slightly ahead of ourselves. <laughs> we should talk about the music first, uh, which is Jack Wall, probably best known for Mass Effect two and three, hmm. working on those, uh, but also more recently Call of Duty Black Ops four uh, has worked on each of uh, the Black Ops games apart from the first one. Also worked on Tom Clancy's uh, Splinter Cell Pandora Tomorrow. Before this game, though, um, had worked on some relatively low-key projects other than maybe Mist 3 Exile was probably quite a big deal. And, of course, let's not forget Disney's extremely goofy skateboarding. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, I there's a lot of the music here which is, uh, you know, simple, uh, simple, or what f- what feels like basic rhythmic percussive tribal i always think is such a lazy descriptor and ignorant descriptor but i'm afraid it's the best i've got (laughs) uh tribal drums but actually there's a few kind of synth noises in here that sometimes give the game a really weird slightly melancholic and creepy atmosphere that i really liked so those were my favorite bits of music where it actually takes some some yeah, sort of alien sounding noises. Doesn't really fit the game in a way, but it did put me in a, a mindset that made me feel like I was entering a dangerous place in in, in, in enemy territory. So I I approve of those bits. How did well, you, well, anyone you else do, feel about the music? You do start to run into some supernatural stuff towards That's the end. True. And regardless of how you feel about how it fits into the storyline in general, it is still there. So I, I don't know. I, I think that... It's kind of a neat touch that that is in there, uh, e- even if it's not especially prominent. It's it's kind of like a little surprise that if you were paying attention, then maybe this wasn't a complete shock at the end. Mm. Maybe I'm giving them too much credit, but I, 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 I found <laughs> the uh, I, yeah I found the music to be quite good at evoking certain emotions from the player, uh, and uh, it did reflect what was going on on the screen rather well. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I'm again, I'm not, I'm not leaning a bit too much, maybe into spot effects. I don't want to do that, but it is a visual and audio cue. The visual cues are actually quite poor, but the audio cues are everywhere, especially when oh, I'm spotted. How do I know? Because the drums have kicked in. Oh, <laughs> yeah. All uh, right. Damn it. I'm going to have run. to fight this. No, I'm going <laughs> to. It's time, time to just basically bulldoze all my way through this. But uh, yeah, I never ran. Or get picked off with arrows. Oh, God. Um, you can't really run, can you? <laughs> no. The, they will follow you. <laughs> there are ways, but we'll talk about it later. There is, posit- there is ways. Oh, I found out at the end, you can <laughs> you can go through doors and leave people behind you. Yeah, you there's sure that, can. <laughs> there's quite there's quite a few bits where that, that is beneficial. They only come out of doors when alerted, though. Uh, which, which, yeah. Um, apparently, some of the music is adaptive as well. Yes. Uh, Wikipedia says features elements of adaptive music techniques developed specifically for the game i guess you know this is imu's style but not incredibly tight synchronization with on-screen state changes i mean if you if if you're talking about the drums kicking in when you're spotted i guess that's 
that I didn't notice anything particularly more subtle. Maybe slightly, slightly more uh, intense, I guess, music, like a loud, louder, maybe, maybe it just gets a little <laughs> yeah. bit louder. Um, louder, more intense. So something, yeah, just it, it's, you would see the same kind of thing later on and do still, you know, see the same kind of thing later on with things like um, what I'm thinking of is near near automata where, mm. you know, there are several versions of each piece of music and they're basically the same, but maybe there's a little bit of a layer here or there that was not, uh, that was not there in, in an unalerted state, uh, if you will. Um, mostly the drums though. Yes. <laughs> Mainly drums. Yeah. Let's hear from our first, Listener correspondent for this show. We don't have tons, but it is, uh, as we know, an underplayed game in the sense that it. We, I reckon maybe with the PS4 version, it's now topped half a million copies, but over 18 years. So uh, the chances of us running into too many people who have played the game enough to want to write about it. We have a few. Our cheese is one. <laughs> I was first introduced to the Mark of Cree when I was 16 years old by a 2002 issue of Electronic Gaming Monthly magazine. In its review of the game, EGM talked about how the Mark of Cree had a Disney-esque aesthetic with violent combat. Intrigued by the art style and reading about what at the time seemed like a novel combat system, I bought the game and enjoyed it from beginning to end. I haven't played it since those PlayStation 2 days, but what really stuck with me was the presentation. The music was excellent, the character designs were appealing, and hand-drawn cutscenes will still stick in my mind to this day. I can't speak to how well the combat or gameplay holds up, but I feel that the Mark of Cree took interesting risks for a first-party PlayStation game. Interesting risks. So yeah, let's talk a bit more about the the characters, the cast, the script. Um, I was surprised to see among the voice cast some uh, pretty well-known voice acting names, including Rao, who is kind of a silent protagonist, is played by uh, Wally Wingert, who is uh, yeah like a, a a massively successful voice actor. Um, but I assume here he's just doing grunts and no, efforts no. and whatever they call it. Um, um, but there is the sort of evoke. He does yell certain words, doesn't he, when you pull off a combo? Oh, yeah, yeah good yeah. point. Yeah. He does some yelling. Very good point. I just wasn't able to do very many of those. So. No, we'll talk yeah. about some, it later. Some, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. They're, I know. I hear you. They're tough. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, a, a presumably very young Hayden Panettiere was in there as Tatty, but I don't even remember is that is that the sister or is a sister? Yeah, the little girl. Yeah, oh yeah, she's yeah. Be. all right. Yeah, she, she chirps yeah. at you in the uh, in the pub, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah you can you can you can have brief conversations oh, with her, yeah. and okay, then at yeah, the yeah. ending, she's she's like up on that stage. I don't know if she actually says anything at that point when you and I'm I'm making very large air quotes with my fingers here. Rescue her. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you. This guy is on a platform that is at your chest height, and you can't get up there. No, just, <laughs> well, you can eventually. Let's just hang out on the floor and kill yeah, every kill uh, everything. every zombies. You can when you can, but not oh, before. That's what happens exactly. when a game doesn't have boss fights. Go on, <laughs> Brian Cummings, another uh, yeah, very uh, well storied and credited voice actor is Bamusu. But I thought uh, some of the performances in there as well um, were a little sketchier some of the supporting characters uh honestly i didn't think much about musu to because when you yeah. if you do his training missions which I, I don't recall if you're actually forced to but i did i did the, the training missions and you know he is kind of it, it's not that it's bad acting it's that it's very 
I, I, I'm not sure what the word is that I'm looking for here, but it, it's direct. Yes, that's a good one. Yes, actually, mm. uh, he's. This is how you do a move. Practice it now. <laughs> Try it now. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I always that, get so confused about time uh, periods of like whether we had moved beyond a lot of that kind of scripted acting at that point. But you know, to me, it just it feels like the game of of that era. era. It's like I this is to how an you. Extent. Yeah, I know. And, and there's always the outliers of you know the industry yeah. moving way beyond what this was producing. I just feel like it's really by the the num the performances are by the numbers. They are caricatures in their roles. Like, yeah, I am the training, and I'm your little sister, and you know, this is yeah. the, the evil strokes. guy. And it's yes. it's like yeah, you know, the moment you take yeah his coin, it's like yeah, or okay. like a Disney cartoon, which yeah. again fits yeah. the aesthetic mm-hmm. uh, caricatures. Apart from the, I think yeah, there we go, caricatures. Of, what I'm yeah. looking for. It, it, I thought I felt that it was better in some of the cutscenes, um, but not so great in in sequences like the training. But actually, the, the best bits are the, the interlude between um, mm-hmm. the scenes yeah. where you've actually got somebody that has clearly wrote, you know, an overarching idea of what this, this script is. By the way, if you actually listen to it, clearly, clearly they thought they had a second game in them um, because the way that it just moves like, oh, it's a story for another day. Well, they did. Well, uh, they I mean, did. Yeah, Rise We're, of the Kasai is, is the sequel. I'm, I'm <laughs> as in, trying, like, it feels like this yeah. is a a much bigger script that they have you yeah, know, yeah, they yeah, want yeah. to produce as a massive franchise, but it, yeah. those those interludes I think is really good, and I think it's helped by the fact that you know it's not tied to a one singular kind of character; it's just you know tied to a, you know, an overarching story, so it can be written better. Mm. Which yeah, which sort of brings us to the script as well. Similarly, um, as what we've already kind of said that the scenario and the story is generic, but but I think the the, the as, and the performances, I think the the actual dialogue is as well. The script is very. Uh, even even for its time, again, you could argue it fits the sort of the Disney thing, but uh, but it it feels quite ripe and fruity to me. I didn't feel none of the characters were actually given any real character mm-hmm. <laughs> as such beyond what their voices are and what their roles are. It, it's also the way that um, talking about this kind of story aspects as well. Like Bruce starts off as just this: I'm going to clear some bandits that are you know blocking the the path of trade to our village. Towards the end, being embroiled in, embroiled in this, you know, save the world scenario, and there is there is an aspect of him like, wow, this is this has got a lot darker than I was. You know, I was just, I was just kind of here for the uh, the money, the chicks, and you know, just being the good guy for the village. And here, of a sudden, uh, you know, my sister's on the, on the altar and all this kind of stuff. And it, yeah, tonally, it is quite weird how that happens fairly quickly over the course of the game. Yeah, it's quite quite a short game. Yeah, it it worked out for me okay because you know he kind of, I it, it seemed like the turning point was kind of when he does the first mission for the uh, who the the character who turns out to be the the dark one the the kind of main villain of the the whole thing, and it, he's just basically looking at his money later and going, oh, this isn't good. Yeah. I yeah, so th- so that that kind of reluctant hero coming back after you know getting what should have been a great win for him and. and knowing that something kind of seems right. pissed about it isn't he a little bit yeah i mean he, he, <laughs> just... i mean he wants to be able i think he wants to be able to just kind of walk away so uh it i, I don't know that 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 part worked for me i thought it, i thought it was okay and there's uh, always that, that and this is a problem with it, almost every game where deals with this but you know by the end of it you've got you know 
thousands of gallons of blood on your sword <laughs> and you're like, it's like yeah who's well, the bad see, guy you here a, you, get a, just... you get around that by having all of the things that you kill in the last level be zombies yeah so. <laughs> just like okay yeah i mean let's talk more about the the sort of because obviously the uh, really the game is picking your way through a set of levels which are pretty much linear give or take a few branching paths here and there and a few little secrets squirreled away it is effectively about i would say if there's if there's a if there's a, a sort of repeating pattern it is scope out the next area by using kuzo who is uh, your seeing eye can go ahead of you and look down upon places sometimes even press switches and open up paths for you and stuff like that cannot attack which was much much to my disappointment can cause the occasional distraction but can't actually pluck people's eyes out or anything which is a shame disappointing and uh once you've scouted out the area it's then a sort of case of i think one of the elements i did quite enjoy was the fact that it's almost about uh working out where kuzo is in relation to yourself and then thinking about sort of planning out your next set of moves based on the perspective from which kuzo is looking bearing in mind that you'll be looking from your own you know you'll be behind a character in a third person view and uh Proceeding from there, taking out as many as you can with stealth. And if uh, there are certain situations where stealth cannot be used because it's predetermined, in other cases, you can end up in a fight. You can alert somebody with a horn um, that uh, that you're there. And then there are sort of little gauntlet style generators that are doors, basically that a bunch of a predetermined bunch, but finite I was pleased to say that every enemy in this game, there are. I don't think there are any infinite respawns at any stage. Even the zombies stop coming eventually. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, yeah, and you start off with just a sword. As the game progresses, you end up with a bow, which uh, seems very ha- handy and like is going to be overpowered. It even tells you exactly when you need. You can make mark over their heads, and it, you don't even really have to think about when to shoot. There's no. There's no real skill to it because it just pretty much tells you. But then armoured enemies start coming along and they're completely uh, oblivious to arrows. So you move on to your your bigger and better weapons. You get some crowd control with a, with a spear and later an axe. Um, and yeah, so my overall thoughts that I'm interested to hear uh, your experiences were uh, the the marking up of the enemies thing does feel like with the right stick so you've got no camera control that does feel like that was probably an innovation it was the thing that edge were talking about at the time and it has gone on to influence games like batman the arkham games and spider-man in terms of not that you necessarily do that same action but the the sort of the applying a single button to an enemy in terms of that is the combat button for that enemy or uh or just stripping down combat to a relatively simple set of uh, in, uh, commands rather than the sort of the old school style free for all brawling. So arguably you could say it's more cinematic and less skillful than traditional arcade video games. However, this game does give you some combo options, but as with the stealth, I found some of the mechanics were inconsistent at best and difficult to operate at worst. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I, I don't know that I've really played or or that I can think of a a game that had exactly the same type of of combat as this 
does. Uh, so you referred to marking the enemies. So essentially what you're doing is once you have the correct weapon equipped, you hold down uh, a trigger and you have like a little line shoots out of you. You aim that line at whatever characters you want and whatever you uh, whatever enemy characters that is you want to uh, mark. And once your little line hits them, then they get the uh, corresponding button over their head. And the weapon that you have equipped determines how many you can actually mark. At first, it's just you can mark one per face button. Uh, and then once you get some of the more crowd controlly type weapons, you can mark multiple ones per face button. And then whatever you press is which one of those characters you are going to attack. Um, and you can block, uh, which has varying levels of effectiveness depending on what weapon you have equipped. Um, but I... I I thought that was uh, um, I thought that at the towards the end when you start getting into and I'm not even talking about the last level here I'm talking about just when you have larger groups of enemies that you are fighting I think it it's a little less effective for me because at that point I'm just taking whatever I need to sweep around me or to knock the armor off of things before they can kill me um, but I liked that combat style when you have fewer enemies around you, um, like when you have you know two or three. Uh, it's it feels it, it's probably not as um, as skill based as something like maybe Arkham Asylum because you don't the timing on your attacks is not as tight unless you're trying to do combos. If you're trying to do combos, then the timing is extremely tight, and I was very rarely able to pull it off. If you do, they're very powerful, but you 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 really need to have your stuff together. <laughs> I mean, this this is a problem of of playing a game with this kind of design in 2020, for me anyway, mm-hmm. or coming into mm-hmm. it fresh, is that, you know, if, if you say, if you say, okay, well, this is, you know, the predecessor to, to Arkham Asylum, right? So you've, you've got your button presses. But it's almost like, you know, if, when they were making Arkham, they were like, well, here's an idea, and here's the template before we actually add like the meat to the to the system and it feels like this game has the template but no more meat to the system so it's really bare bones so upon marking people within the environment that's not marking upon seeing people in the environment that's a really mm. good idea but what a modern day game would do is that you'd be able to place a marker on them so uh, after you come out of that vision, you still know whether the yeah. you know the, the enemy that you're tracing is moving away from you or towards you, and then it'll be a, you know you've kind of got that indicator. Now here it's like, well, how long do I have to get between Kuzo being over there and me slowly walking over here? And time I've got over here, the character's actually moving back towards me, although it didn't look like the animation was going to be you know that synced. So all of a sudden, I've set an alarm off, even though I'm trying to do the right thing by the game, and it just all that it is is because it's the bare bones version of that idea. It's just one step away from being the full blown thing. And the same with the the single button combat. It's like there's nothing wrong with the idea of marking people within the environment and then putting your focus towards that. I think that's a really. It, I mean, it's been proven as a you know as some people may say it's been you know done to death now, but I think it's a really neat system. But there's no flow to it. It's, you, you're not kind of you know moving from character to character in a nice kind of quick system it's i'm trying to focus my energy kind of on that one character until i break enough armor off and if somebody gets near then i'm going to go back over there but it like it, mm. it just doesn't feel feel seamless so it feels very much like i'm just bashing at these yeah. little independent in the 
you know independent components and that haven't don't actually gel as one but i think that's also slightly unfair for me to look at it from a game from from now's perspective yeah so i think i can but actually see what they're trying in to mind, do but we also we, we report our experience as it was today bearing mm-hmm. in mind that people could oh yeah listen sure. to the show and buy it and download it to know what they might expect but yeah i, I totally i totally agree chris what were you what were you gonna say yeah um there's one thing about the focus system that i once you once you figure it out and once you understand its relationship between Rao and the enemies he's fighting and what you can do with it, I think what was very important for me was I didn't I often turned it off. To bear with me, um, I often sort of engaged with an enemy, turned it off, then reset the focus when I had more enemies yeah. on me, mm-hmm, and then yeah. when I'm immediately thinking, okay, I'm going, now I'm attacking them. And then, uh, if I saw a health thing, I was on low on health. I would, if if you don't, if you're constantly focused, you're constantly focused yeah. on a player, a character, and you can't. Yeah, you, you have to move. break it sometimes and, and refocus. It do- took me a while to figure out how to break the focus. Like I was way yeah. later in the game than I should have been, and they do right. tell you that in the training. Yeah. I just, I guess, forgot because I didn't need to for a oh, while. Yeah. I, I, I must say that I've got. I played on PS4. I, mean, I did play on PS2 back in the day, but on the PS4, I played it on there too. And I found it much more. Uh, the the control is much much better, of course. So the experience is much better. But also, I've got that little bolt-on thing you put on the, underneath the PS4, which uh, I've mapped to my R3 and R L3 buttons. Because I okay, I hate you prefer that to clicking in the sticks, yeah, right? So I basically mm. just, I just I don't mind clicking in I, the sticks. I stick. really I've always hated it. So for me to allow mm-hmm. to 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 do that underneath the controller has been yeah. an absolute godsend. And for me, mm. it's fantastic for this game. Because it really, and I did use, they were getting to the point towards later, I was actually using people to move around. I was like, okay, yes. well, I'll grab over there. I'm going to focus him. I don't really want to attack him. I'm just going to move, use that to move over to there to get to the health thing or to the arrows yeah. or something. Yeah. There's an element to this game where actually, okay, there's two things. So one, obviously you have a number of weapons, so four weapons, each are supposedly are good for a particular situation but it actually takes a little bit of time for the animation to to switch between the the different sets of weapons so quite often i'd find the situation oh, i need to go to this now and you know a situation may have changed somewhat slightly and i'd be oh okay but there there is this um a good move where you can do unarmed where you can they go to hit you and if you t- get the the button timing right you can basically grab the weapon and yeah, skewer counter, people full counter yeah and yeah. be it Lonely level one kind of area enemy works fantastically. Yeah. Buffed up a ton of armor enemy also works perfectly. Right. I found myself towards the back end of the game just grabbing people's oh, yeah, weapons off them and skewering them. And it was, it the was timing reliable and consistent. Pretty that damn tight. Yeah, pretty a lot yeah. easier than just. Because I did it by mistake a few times. I but. found it a lot easier than bashing away at people's armor <sighs> over and over and over again. Because you could just. You know, subvert that and and go through. Unpicked a lock there. That's cool. The game is really confused in actually what it wants to be. Like, in one hand, you you have the ability to mark all these people. On the other hand, it really, certainly at the start, wants to be a stealth game. And when you you pull off the stealth elements, it it is actually really, like most stealth games, it is really satisfying to kind of work your way. And yeah, there's a lot of people with their backs turned, but you can just walk out into the open and, and set off the guards. There's some levels, I mean, not just the end level, but, you know, I'm thinking the one where you kind of got the, almost like you're working from the top and working your way down to... The tree. Uh, off platform. Yeah. Oh, and, yes. And it's just the like, tree. I was, I did like two, three people stuffly. That was fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. I alerted the third person. And here's, here's the reason why. It's been a long time since I played a game 
without camera control. Yeah. And it's really, it doesn't help because quite often you're like, okay, yeah, no, that's a, an interesting viewpoint here. And yes, you can have camera control by, I think it's L, R, L1. L1, one. Yeah, L1. you can kind of refocus and have a look in front of you and see what's going on. But the amount of times I alerted guards just because I could not see the play space in front of me. Um, yeah. And yes, the Kuzo, I'm sure you're meant to use, but just, just walking through an area that looks like, oh, there's nobody here. And yeah, play it more stealthily. But I just feel like the game at times was absolutely trying to put me into the scenarios where it became a combat game. And the game just isn't tight enough for the amount of enemies and the scenarios that they throw at you. So mm. you end up trying to stealth it, getting it wrong, or the game kind of like, you know, in, in this scenario, I'm talking like trying to work your way down. I could see how that satisfying that would be to work your way down this tree and get to the bottom because you're killing everybody and nobody seeing. But the moment I alerted that one person, it became just attrition of just being shot over and over yeah, again yeah. with arrows that yeah. I couldn't do anything yeah. about. And I couldn't yeah. reset the level. It was just, yeah, can well, I, that, can that, I that, depend, that depends on where well, you save. Yeah. 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 Well, let's, and, let's bring, yeah, that's well, as actually, good a place before, as I need to talk yeah, about before, that mechanic. Before we, uh, before we move on to that, and, and this will lead into that, I promise. Um, sure. But I, I want to, I want to kind of, play devil's advocate for uh for the uh for the, it, yeah. the scenario that that tony is is describing here uh because i had a lot of trouble with this stage as well and and it basically it's just a bunch of rings kind of leading down into uh you are you have to get to this is the end of the level you have to get to the bottom of the kind of or it, it's almost a stadium like setup mm-hmm. um and, and there are of course different places where you can hop down you can't hop down all the time and everything um so i i think what i really enjoy about this game um because i don't believe that i i, I did not try the arena battles um and like leon was saying i don't think that i would enjoy them very much just because i don't the combat is not what I find rewarding about this game, but I do like it a lot. And I think that the reason that I do like it so much is because for me, it came off as more of a, a, a almost a combat puzzle than, than a, a true just, you know, sneak until you can't find anything else and then sneak again. Um, it, because I, I mean, yes, there are places where it is extremely difficult to locate who is in that environment, um, but they do give you tools for that. I, if you are going extremely slowly and carefully through these places, then most of the time, I mean, there are some places where you get forced into combat, but if you're, you know, checking out the environment before you, then oftentimes you will be able to suss out the patterns. I spent a lot of time in this game just flicking back and forth between viewpoints because I would have parked, uh, I would have parked, uh, my character just somewhere you know partially hidden at least and then sent kuzo up front and then just flicked between those viewpoints until i could figure out where the people were coming in um and this is this is kind of where i get on my dark my dark soul soapbox um for for just a minute um i promise i won't do it too much but we haven't so far um that that that's that is when the game really started to remind me of dark souls is when I found myself doing that because it, it's it's a very uh, it's a very early example. Um, that Mark of Kree is not not Dark Souls. Uh, it's a very early example of that kind of combat where 
it, the answer is not always to throw yourself at something until you make your way through. Sometimes you may have an easier way through if you are metaphorically getting out the graph paper and figuring out exactly what the the best route through is and, you know, who you can uh, grab from behind and, and stick to a wall with your sword and who you're going to have to take out before anybody else and who you can pick off with arrows from a distance, who you can't. Um, so I actually did. It took a very long time and several strategically placed save mm -hmm. scrolls, but I did make it to the bottom of that arena without alerting anybody and with killing everybody until I got to the bottom. Then I think yeah. I tipped off one of the big dudes and I had to yeah. take them out. But by that point, you have the axe, so it wasn't that bad. So, um, or, or maybe well, you don't. Maybe you only had the sword well, by that point. I can say on experience has exactly mine too. In mm. fact, although I loathed it initially, by the end of it, I was elated at that. I figured it out. I understood. Yeah, yeah. And there was one yeah. particular area where I was looking around going, that's not, impo that's not possible. They're facing me. If I drop down, <laughs> they're going to come down. And it was all going to yeah. kick off. This makes no sense. I was like, they, you know, we, we've all done it with video games. We're screaming at the screen going, this makes no difference. And then, <laughs> yeah, then yeah, yeah. I did a lot of swearing. Yes. A lot of, oh, yeah. cursing, a lot of swearing. We saw my neighbors love me for it. Uh, especially yeah. the zombie bit where I started yelling, I don't care. Oh, come care. on, that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> that was what I was yelling most, though. I don't care. Um, but um, the, uh, there was a bit where there was a, there was a massive bell, huge bell. Didn't spot it because you had to have Kuzo there to see it. You can't see it. You can never see it. Uh, but until you actually like, yeah, have the chance to right. walk along and you walk, look back, which doesn't make any sense. Like, why am I looking behind me? But you mm. look back down like, there's a bell, there's a bell. Due diligence. Due diligence, and there's a bell. So you hit the bell, and then, and then when I did that, it all fell into place, and I just walked it, and <laughs> I even managed to stealth kill the axe guys at the end. I was so happy with myself when I did that. Yeah, I will say that although there, I definitely had some really frustrating, sweary moments that I, I was neither keen on on the design of the combat or the mechanics of the stealth, there were bits of the levels that I just thought, yeah, they're pretty, like you were talking about the game being crafted. I do feel that for the most part, they did spend a lot of time on the player path through the level, like making sure that it was challenging and you had to think about it, but possible. And yeah, so that there's a few things that we haven't really mentioned yet that I think we ought to. One is... This is a game in which you have to block and remember to block, learn to block, block a lot, which also plays into what Tony was saying about it being a parry if you do it well. But um, I'm a player who, uh, for whatever reason, um, I've just always struggled with block buttons in video games since forever. And uh, so I really had to train myself to use this because you, I, you just won't complete this game unless you remember to block a lot and another thing that it took me way too long to realize was how important it is to use the left directional stick with your weapon of choice so there are clues in the challenges that you're set on each level there are a bunch of stipulations which you can tick off which will unlock stuff mm -hmm. back in the inn and the game sort of freezes when you complete one of these stipulations and tells you what you've done, which is yeah, it's fairly kind of overt way of doing it, but it kind of works. Um, and that was when I realized 
looking at those that's saying attack from the left, attack from the right and all this stuff. And like suddenly, oh, actually, it's not just press the button. Of course, I don't have a paper manual because I play in the PS4 version. Maybe it explains this stuff better in the old paper manual that came with the PS2 version back in 2002. But you actually want to swing your sword left and right, get uh, catch... Uh, enemies on the side that they're not blocking and all this kind of stuff. I started whittling their armor down way, way faster and it became a lot less frustrating at, at that point. And even the zombies who aren't mostly armored, as I recall, um, even they will, you can whittle them down much faster if you uh, keep hitting them from different sides. So actually move the stick around as you, as you attack. But uh, yeah. And another thing, worth mentioning is yeah the the fact that you have no camera control is weird by modern standards because we are so used to just controlling the camera in whatever we play with the right stick but actually isn't it i don't know couldn't you make the argument that it was like actually giving player full camera control is actually kind of a it's a bit of a heavy-handed solution to a problem that you can actually get out of the game by making your own camera better i don't no no <laughs> no i i don't i don't i don't really agree with that i i don't i don't think that they were you know, being lazy or uh, or that they necessarily even thought about having a free camera at this point because uh-huh. you know you're still back in the no 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 i'm sorry i think i've missed maybe i didn't make my point well i'm saying i'm critical i'm saying they did it better than oh. modern games modern games are is it a crafted experience I'm, how they set up the, the scenes rather than yeah, yeah because they they made it so that you can play it without a controllable camera i, whereas, I still don't necessarily think so because you can sure. sort of control the camera like you can i i used I, and i maybe just because i have played some jrpgs uh, on the ps2 that also do not have camera control mm. uh, in in a traditional sense and you have to you know kind of click the yes. the trigger or or sometimes the stick to kind of center the camera behind yourself yeah. um so or look I, through the player's eyes like, yeah uh, like in this one yeah so i mean you you can't it's not that it's not that it's not fixed camera angles in the sense of like a resident evil or something like that no, no, um no, no. that i think if if they if they really wanted to have uh, a, a crafted experience in that way like if they want the player looking in this specific direction when they enter here then then maybe the fixed camera angles would have been more what i would have expected to see um but i i also don't think it's a huge negative it's just for for me it was just something i had to get used to i i didn't i would have mm. probably preferred to be able to have a um a look around but um mm. Oh, yeah. Sorry. We we once again got bounced off of the save scroll talk, which I actually think is worth talking about because it's a a system quite unlike any other game I can remember. So there are a number of save scrolls dotted throughout the level, uh, a predetermined number Mm -hmm. that remain there. This game doesn't have many pickups at all. It's got a it's got a health pickup, which you can either refill or increase your health, which is reset at the start of each level, I think. But you can kind of multiply your health from its original uh, setting to up to three times or something like that. I think it's about which five, is, actually. Oh, yeah. is it that many? Okay, that many. Um, and there's the, each level has a hidden item, which uh, if you collect all of them, you can have all the weapons from the start for, for sort of new game plus purposes. But the main item that you'll be desperate to see, you can also pick up spare arrows and stuff, but the main item is the save scrolls. You can 
you have an inventory for these of up to five and you can deploy them pretty much where when and where you see fit within the level mm -hmm. in which you're playing so it's yeah it's an interesting one i think that there, there have been other games which have sort of played around with limited save numbers and things like that i'm trying to think of examples i remember because obviously there, there there often be often used to be a difference between say a first person shooter on the pc which would have quick save and quick load and then it would come over to a console and you'd only be allowed to save at the end of a level or something like that i did push my luck with the single save that you get by the way if you haven't described that yet um yeah just to be clear you can't go back to other saves there aren't any other saves it's just the one save, and you get, yes, and the economy right, yeah. is extremely low. And otherwise, you get this scroll. When you get the scroll, you have the right to save it any time and anywhere on the level. So that's quite powerful, but it's also quite yeah. dangerous, as Leah's yes. describing. Mm -hmm. yep. In that, oh, hang on, I'll just, I'll just save it. Here. I'll just have this fight. I'll, <laughs> the amount of times I did that, going, how, how could this be? I'll just take, I'll, I'll just save it now because I'm, <laughs> I'm really anxious because I've only got one health bar yep. left. Oh, it'll be yeah. fine. It's just block a few times. It'll be dead. Oh, boy. I, I yeah. mean, I never got to the point where I had to redo the level, but it was a little no, more frustrating. No. Like, why did I do that? Why did I just save it after I was more secure? But I think <laughs> well, I was, was I was just... burned that one time, and then yeah. thankfully I didn't I didn't have that experience again. But uh, I felt like yeah. there were milestones. I'm like, okay, I'm milestoning this. I'm doing it then, and I'm just locking that place, and that's where I am now. It, it doesn't help that sometimes as well that um, there is areas where you've got the arrow guys that mm -hmm. are impervious to anything, and they're also out of reach for you to take them down. So if you alert somebody, or even in a section like I'm thinking you can move from area to area and they're firing down on a boat at one section, um, if you're running a bit low on health at that point, it's like, you know, just make sure that you're blocking as much as... But there's like five arrows coming in this direction, mm -hmm. and like no no means to actually... You know, do a you know a skillfully shot arrow back at them. Sometimes it feels the game's been a little bit unfair in that scenario. I would have liked if you could have upgraded your weapons if there had been some kind of upgrade system to where maybe you know you in a similar way to the to the way that you get new weapons. Like you know, at, at first, yeah, you might you might have your uh, your bow and arrow, and you might see enemies that now you can't shoot. But if you even if it had something to do with maybe the collectibles or something like mm. that, to where you could upgrade to where maybe you could you know injure or uh, or have some kind of effect on the armored guys with the arrows. Back with John Hamlin from Eurogamer a week ago, extraordinarily at the time of recording. When Batman Arkham Asylum was released in 2009, its crowd control fight flow system seemed revolutionary, but it's clear that Mark of Cree is the missing link between that system and earlier side-scrolling brawlers of Final Fight Vintage. Cree was one of the first games to work out almost how to make free-for-all fights work in a 3D space. Using the right stick, you nominate assailants who are then automatically assigned to different face buttons on the DualShock, allowing you to pummel, destroy and disembowel them by pushing the highlighted buttons in any order you choose. You can concentrate on one opponent or flip between them like a social butterfly with wings of flashing steel. The system isn't quite there because the active fight buttons are always changing. Pulling off combos becomes a sausage-fingered memory challenge every few minutes, Anchoring these buttons to fixed positions on the pad was perhaps Arkham's biggest improvement on the system. But still, the sense of flowing from one attacker to another seamlessly was first evoked on here. And here, too, are brutal stealth takedowns and the ability to fly from perch to perch, suss out the lay of the land before beginning your reign of terror. Only in Cree, it's your raven and narrator, Kuzo, doing all the aerial work. 
By making the Raven and the Man One, Rocksteady ironed out the kinks and used this as a foundation to create the ultimate Batman experience, freeing gamers from old boys style corridor fights forever. Yeah, uh, I, d- I mean, these things are rarely that straightforward, but I understand as an academic example, it makes sense to to sort of slot this game in sure. as the missing link. And mm-hmm. yeah, uh, without plucking some more you know, really delving into my mental archives and plucking some more obscure examples out. I'm I'm quite happy with that. Uh, the the combo potential is yeah there in theory. The idea is that if you have only one enemy highlighted, you use the button that is highlighted to start the combo, and then you can use the other buttons in sequence to extend your combo into more hits, more damaging attacks, sword flurries and swishes of the axe and so on. But I found the timing to be uh, variable (laughs) and not entirely reliable. Sometimes it felt like I was... The only instruction Balmusu gives you is to press the button during the animation of the previous attack. Well, sometimes I would do that and it felt like the combo would be continued. Other times it just seemed to stop and I ended up... You know, having to block again because I'd given my uh, my enemy a, an opportunity. Did anyone manage to nail this slightly finicky, I feel, combo system? I couldn't. I tried and I tried and I tried. And I was like, no, no, I'm definitely doing what you asked me to do. At least not, no, that's not mm. the one I was. But couldn't nail it. Assume it's just a really ungenerous window of. I think. I I pulled them off a few times towards the beginning, but I, I, as it got later on, and and more enemies started surrounding me, I just block and poke, block and poke, pretty much. Yeah, block and smash. I'd even written them down um, in front of me just in case it was like, okay, well, (laughs) is my is my memory this bad? And I just like you say, I think the timing of it is is up and down. It's just like sometimes it would work perfectly, other times not at all, and I'd find myself with one less health bar. So you end yeah. up in that scenario is like, well, do I actually attempt to do with a combo or do I attempt to just hit, stand back, block? <laughs> so, um, yeah. Or in just the case one of- thought on this. Now, I, I haven't actually, I haven't done a Digital Foundry style uh, co- uh, comparison, obviously. I know Chris has played the different versions. Mm. Is there anything in the fact that does, is, is it one of those weird ones where because the frame rate is faster on the PS4 version or at least more consistent, that that window was more friendly on when the game ran slower on a PS2 or did you have similar experiences? Well, I, I'm still playing it on the same sort of TV, really. I mean, if I'm using it on my PS2, then it'll be on even slightly slower responding LCD TV. So no, it's not. Well, I yeah, think... I wasn't talking about the, the TV so much as the actual, the hardware. So the well, original not, PS2 I'm, version, Yeah, I'm leading to that point because there's going to be a reaction because if it is based on animations, and based on what's happening on the screen, right. then I have to press the button to react to those animations that are happening on the screen, then it's split-second timing. And if the timing isn't quite going to work, yeah, of course. that's what I was yeah. alluding to. And uh, Now, my, yeah, you know, my large-screen 55-inch monster yeah. is, has got a game mode on it, but, you know, yes. I don't know how... It may have been CRT uh, yeah. configured. Well yes. Yeah. yeah. So I think that Always might be a good it. point. Always worth remembering, yeah. Just those microseconds can make all the difference. Um, yeah, 
any other uh, of the we've mentioned obviously a few of the levels uh, some notable ones i think the one that sticks in my mind is actually the snowy sort of temple level mm-hmm. just because i'm a sucker for snow levels I think um, that might be the one that I actually screwed myself over on. Okay. <laughs> I, I yeah. think it was that one. The level with the boats and the four towers I thought was uh, was pretty challenging. And I did some very much ended up doing some. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I don't know what you'd call it. I don't know if it's ex- I don't know if you really call it exploiting, but basically kind of <laughs> leaving enemy archers alive and just running through mm. by the skin of my teeth and hoping there would be some health on the next island kind of thing. Is that the one where you some... have to pull the switches over? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, get, it get a bit... There's one point where there was... Um, they did the classic video game trope of, look at all these pickups. Oh, no. Because it was, uh, <laughs> there was no one around. Like, oh, because it was... And there's yeah, loads no. and loads of monster closets everywhere. And I went, oh, yes. really? But the person really? that was where the game then just starts to drop stealth entirely um you know that there you know you can't mm. hit those switches without engaging in combat there's just yeah. you know, no physical way you're going to have to yeah you know, and which is fine it's, it's prerogative it can change it but it you know for a game that spends a good proportion of its time forcing you down the stealth route because the ramifications of it is the combat is quite challenging outside of stealth mm. to then just you know abandon the stealth tactic almost entirely for the back half of the game um, and leave you with the combat system almost that if you had played it entirely stealthy, you wouldn't have learned the way that you probably needed to to be good at the back end of the game. And the <laughs> numbers are far outweighing <laughs> what really you should be able to cope yeah. with. I think that's that's probably my issue. Is it, it's not that they that they included the combat in there. It's that there's no option. Like you can't. It's it's not a well you can do stealth. It's just going to be a lot more difficult. It's no you are going to just go in here with an axe like that. Yeah. That's there there is there is no stealth. <laughs> yeah, and but I just want to go back to the stealth part because Leon did ask the front question. You know what was the things that we remember most and favored uh, part of these games? And for me, I found the most reward, and we've said it already, but for me was actually having Kuzo scope out everything and then i was timing things so well to the point where i could stealth my way through something and everyone was dead and they didn't know i was there and that was really fun that was my and the the parts of levels that they you allowed to do that and gave you the 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 allowed you to really work the 3d space and understand where everything was relative to you uh i really really liked that part of the game a lot i found it very rewarding and just like when I was like figuring it out for myself, I never once went to walk through or any hit tips or anything for mm-hmm. this game. I just mm-hmm. uh, really just loved doing that. And that was my favorite part of the game, which made me so mad when the last level, which we keep on hinting <laughs> at. And I think, Leon, if you may, <laughs> yeah, let's go we, let's, we need to talk about this. because Well, it's, it's, it's the thing you come away with, isn't it? Yeah. It's like... Yeah, it's the final act. It's the level sixth level of six. Just Everything um, has been building up to this. <laughs> yeah. Just out of interest, does anyone else know their completion time? I know that mine was six hours, 59 minutes. I don't know. I, I suspect it was longer than that for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm afraid uh, nine and a half hours, I think it was. In the end. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, I, my, my guess would be somewhere around 10. Yeah. Oh, I thought I was this. I thought I was always the slowest. Oh, six and a half, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> no, I, I struggled, mm. I've got to say it, because I just... Uh, but I didn't, didn't. Yeah, it was more challenging than I was expecting. Yeah, but I mean, whatever average, reason, definitely. I mean, the, the average was meant to be seven hours apparently. So I, I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. thought I was going to do it in that period, but 
No, uh, the, 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 <laughs> because reasons. I think because some of the stealth men, I just really, really went into town. Because if I, if I actually alerted yeah, anyone, yeah. rather than go, oh, I'll just plough through. No, 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 I, I know how to do. I can do this, do it again. you're better yeah, than yeah, this. Yeah. And that's why yeah. it took longer. Um, and, yeah, yeah. But I, I think, think I... Sometimes that actually is the it's the tortoise and the hare thing, isn't it? So yeah, yeah. can actually be beneficial in the long run. Thematically, though, the last level works in the story in what it is in that you are so enraged, you just that's it, you've done, and I, I, enough, enough of this, you know, um, sticking around. No, everyone has to, everything has to die, <laughs> everything, even when it's already dead, it has to die again, <laughs> uh, and. You know, there is some a little level of cathartism, very cathartic, of you swinging a dirty great axe around, chopping zombies in half. That was fine for about ten minutes. It, it's just so <laughs> long, like, and, and there isn't there isn't really any variety in it. Is is maybe the bigger problem? It, it, you just you are going through a lot of very very similar rooms with a bunch of respawning zombies that as as i think leon pointed out earlier you can get through all of them but if you try it takes a long time Mm -hmm. repetitive and you can get whittled down the one thing i will say about this final level which is called uh ratutusai uh, they all have appropriate names um is that it is pretty generous with the pickups Mm -hmm. that it is yes uh, say it's got more save books, uh, save scrolls than any other level, and uh, and a reasonable amount of health. But that said, yes, I definitely still had a few reload situations where it's learning by doing in the sense of you go in, you do okay, but not well enough, and then you die. And Where's the switch for this do door? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I need to go there first. Better. Yeah. One frustration is that although you can quit out the level, you can't just do. You, uh, I don't think there's is there a restart there's no restart level is there yes. it's just built in well you don't actually go back to the in, oh in I know what you can't five do. and six that's, yeah yeah that's true I mean you can't just press start and do load save no no so yeah you can you either restart the level or you have to quit all the way out of the game and then do load to get back to your last save scroll which is again it's 2002 but you, it's still you could a just, pain in the butt just you could just die, just die. yeah that's what i did that's usually I, the quicker way yeah went, sometimes that can take longer than you might be I yes know. no good point. It's a, no it's more <laughs> yeah. of me yelling at the game going fuck just kill me now <laughs> and yeah so there's no bosses in this game really but there is fight at the end that's just all the fights that it's you've three had waves before, of zombies yeah three waves mm-hmm. of zombies and you can't climb up the ledge that you can then climb up that <laughs> the you guy just kind of stands up. there examining his fingernails or whatever it is he's doing through that whole thing while you cut up his minions yeah and then eventually i, I did i did like the fact that he tried I to recruit Raoul. like god did you know Join me. Oh, really? You're doing this? You're doing Darth Vader on me? Really? Really? Okay. <laughs> okay. And then the fact that he throws the axe at his head, which is brilliant. I did like that. That was a nice end. And it's quite why quick did you do well that 20 yeah. minutes ago? <laughs> but yeah. unfortunately, I just think, I, if I was the designers, I would have made this almost epilogue-like. Bear with me. Mm-hmm. I would have made it mm. way shorter, like no more than three rooms. That would have been the perfect pacing. Like you got to Necropolis, you got to his yeah. lair. Just, you know, just, just. If you really want to exert this rage thing, and I get that completely, mm. uh, you know. And unfortunately, I think there might have been 
a technical issue about why we can't pull off these combos. I dem- genuinely believe it now. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, we 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 have to acknowledge that possibility. Yeah, we indeed. Uh, but be that as it may, I think it should have been maybe three or four rooms tops, and the fourth being the last one, and having that big mm. crescendo and just. Yeah, that, I'm with you. That would have should have done it, but they did had five five nicely designed full blown levels, each distinct in its look and feel. Yeah. And then, and this one is distinct in its look and feel, but not in a good way. No. <laughs> or no. at least none of us. <laughs> I, felt st- I still feel like level five is a is a pre worn warning. Like there's areas in there you just can't stealth, and you're there's lots of enemies true, that are thrown at you. I just I, I almost. Because I, I was pre-warned on on Slack that you know the cool. end level was <laughs> was somewhat challenging, so I was yeah. prepped and ready for it. And actually, halfway through level five, I was thinking, "Is is this the level?" Because I, I wasn't aware. Of it. I was like, "Is this the level?" Because this is. I mean, this seems mm. to have just abandoned stealth halfway through the halfway through the level. Was because there's people mm. by switches and and whatnot. Maybe. And then I got to level six and went, "Oh no, this is the level." <laughs> like, yeah. Oh yeah. I don't even know that I would say that the last level was especially challenging i mean it's it's challenging in the way that the rest of the game is but i didn't i I think that by the the latter rooms i was not so much having trouble as i was just kind of bored enjoying it Um, yeah yeah yeah. and how many times on this show we've had people drop out shows from games where they just haven't been able to finish and in frustration of not wanting to be on the show because they feel like they they failed themselves which you know is an interesting aspect and is always worth coming on the show to talk about that. But th- there's nothing about this last level that, you know, I felt like, oh, I'm never going to be able to defeat this, you know, no. but one or two good save More points. More like, will this ever end? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, they, this is just, you know, just repeat, you know, rinse and repeat, yeah. rinse and yeah. repeat, rinse and Attritional repeat. Yeah, attrition order to yeah. get to the end. And that's why I was yelling. Sorry, neighbours. <laughs> I don't care. Really, can we just let me go to the switch? I'm just going to pull the switch. Go away. I don't I mean, care. chopping up zombies really can be fun <laughs> in sure. a lot of games. Yeah, but this but, just, just but, yeah. boring. And I did not want to use that word. Uh, but, no, but, if you, you were know, bored, you found it boring. Was just, yeah, this is dull. <laughs> Truth is the most important. <laughs> Third drawing from the forum says, It's been a long time since I played this game, but I remember thoroughly enjoying my playthrough and learning all the skills that serve you during the game. My one big complaint that I remember is that you're forced to toss out everything you learn for the last level or boss. My memory is a bit hazy, kind of both actually, third drawing, and that it just ends up becoming a hack and slash at the end. It seemed like wasted potential. Fun game overall, though. I agree. There's a selection of cheats, which I was at various points drawn towards but never <laughs> actually got as far as using them i don't know if they affect either anything if you use them i don't know whether they take your trophies away you know, as in lock lock you out of getting trophies i suspect not i suspect you could turn on invincible row and full health power and strong uh, weaker enemies and unlimited arrows uh and still just beat the game and get the end sequence and the trophies so that is an option there. It's button sequences for each one in the style of video games. Yeah. <laughs> uh, worth worth mentioning that aside from these cheats, there are, there is no difficulty selection. It's just the game is the game. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 But um, I did, uh, after finishing it, I, I um, decided to replay some levels with some of these on to see what it felt like. And uh, yeah. oh, okay. it's not pleasant. Um, it, no? Uh, no? No. I, apart from the Stronger Enemies one. That's actually quite makes it more of a stronger enemies. But every th- I did doing I actually did the invincible row and weaker enemies and you get a trophy for that, which I thought what it's called. 
called yeah. Bully. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, that's actually interesting, though. This is why, uh, as, as some, sometimes as challenging as it can be and gives us uh, time limits and stress and anxiety, the, the whole thing about us completing games for this show is bec- exactly because it opens up scenarios like the one Chris has just talked about. The thought of replaying this or while I was playing it, thinking, oh, yeah, I'll replay this with stronger enemies on would have been ludicrous. I'd have thought, no way, I'm never going to do that. But there is that key shift in one's feeling towards a game when you've beaten it that is the thing that I always wanted to get across on this because I think Mm. even though I'm unlikely because I've got two and a half thousand games I want to play, I'm unlikely to go back to this one that I thought was quite interesting <laughs> this 20, 18 year old game that i thought was quite interesting however as soon as i finished it i did of course go back into the sort of new game plus and started playing around and seeing what i'd learned throughout the game and seeing how it affected my opinions of replaying the first level seeing how easy it felt like how whereas at the time it felt everyone's like got their back to you you suddenly yeah, realize yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, um, that that is interesting. Even that, even though you know, Chris was saying it took him, I guess, uh, almost Double. maybe forty percent longer than it took me to beat the game. As soon as he's kind of just just for funsies, not I'm not suspecting you're going to go through and and actually beat it again with harder enemies on. But it was tempting to even look at that, and you enjoyed it. I find that interesting. Yeah, I just found playing the first level after finishing it is really interesting. Because you see mm. everything different. And the initial part is a little bit intimidating. It really is. Because yeah. the game yeah, is, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's a pioneer of a lot of stuff, okay, with the focus and all that stuff. And the 3D combat, it's really trying to go places that we now are take for granted. I mean, Assassin's Creed and Batman, etc. But at the time, this mm-hmm. wasn't around. So it's the, you, I just felt it's a little bit intimidating. With, but when you sort of like you played through and you finished it, even gotten through that thing we've been ranting about when you've got through that you think okay let's see what this is like after being through all of that and it was really one of the earliest examples of new game plus the mm. we're going to talk about unlockables in a moment but it really is wonderful that, and you can i started doing stealth kills in the level first level and if you remember it doesn't actually teach you how to do that until <laughs> the second or third level, I think it is. Yeah, right. And, right but right. it's actually like, oh, hang on, he's just standing there. I can just stealth mm. kill him. It doesn't stop you from doing it because you don't need a weapon to stealth kill. Uh, and so that's mm. really, really fun. It's like, and you, you, and also what was really quite interesting is I stopped saving because I just yeah. like oh, didn't feel the need. Didn't feel yeah. the need anymore because I was like, yeah. oh yeah, I know how to do this. I know how to do this, and it's just just. You got the lexicon of the game. You've figured yeah. it out, and by that, and that's why that's why, that is a very obvious and pure new game plus experience. And I really mm. liked it for that. I'm just still mm. irked by that six level. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. You yeah. can play through levels one to five again, yeah, but and the, then you'd be like, oh, yeah, okay, okay I don't. <laughs> you still don't. I still don't care. Yeah, still don't be care. The thing you wish. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, the weapon select is uh, is a cool idea so on each level there is a an object called a tuku i think the first or maybe two or three of them are pretty much on the critical path but some of them i never saw so there are some i i find it surprising because the levels aren't massive and i feel like i'm somebody who tries to take alternate paths where i see them so i'm sort of surprised i didn't 
find all of these, but I think I only, I think maybe I was missing two or three. But if you do collect them all, you unlock the ability to use all the weapons, including the late game stuff, such as the axe. And like, for instance, you don't have the bow on level one, which, which makes level one a walk in the park. So that's quite a fun, it's quite a fun way of doing it, I think. But I would probably advise using a guide to find those two coups. Did anyone get them all just organically? I didn't. Tony, did no. you? No. No, no, so the same. I, I, I knew that that existed and I kept yeah. an eye out for it. But mm-hmm. first few are easy to find, but the rest is like, I have no mm. idea. Mm. I was so focused mm. on not dying by then. So. Well, that's Because <laughs> yeah. Guzo can pick them up, can't he? I think so. I oh, think, can he? Okay. Um, I think. I think so. There's there's things that he can. Only certain ones, maybe. But um, I and I think the one one of the ones I found was outside of what would be a your traditional kind of walking path. It was behind something. Um, yes. Oh yeah. So. There's some of that. Go go left at the start of the level yeah. instead of right. Yeah. Um. Yes, we didn't we didn't say actually that one element of storytelling we we didn't talk about at all is the fact that there are uh, murals and mm. carvings yes. and things throughout the levels that you can uh, you can interact with and you get a bit of um scenario now i suppose we sort of covered it off in that we said that none of us was massively inspired or or wedded to the scenario but you know there's a bit more to it there there's some extra cutscenes and and stuff uh and some extra narration if you want to if you're somebody who goes want to go into the lore as such those arenas we mentioned you actually you don't just get given those though you have to actually complete the set of challenges on each level uh, to unlock the arena for that level. So there's mm. one per one per stage. Uh, I think I organically unlocked about three, but I wasn't going for the challenges. I was going to complete the game. But that's something, again, that you could do on a new game plus potentially. And there's some art and alternate costumes as well. Uh, these are unlocked with time and body count challenges in the arena's uh, to get, uh, yes, yeah, some development drawings and some costumes, including, according to the IMDb, one of the costumes unlocked resembles Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> Conan from Conan the Barbarian, during the stealth scene near the end of the movie. That makes sense. Now, Chris, have you got your physical copy of the PS2 version to hand? Uh, no, uh, actually, okay. um, I, I don't, don't worry. have the... Uh the box. I mean, I don't have the box at all. Most of my PS2 games were they were destroyed. I had to, just a disc. Just a disc now. Just to save oh, space. Goodness. Sorry. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, so you you also presumably pulped your hidden flip book. Yeah, all in recycling <laughs> bin had to be done. Okay. Yep. The original instruction manual. If you're a, if you're a collector of the bits and bobs, if you flick it from back to front and look in the bottom right hand corner. They've got Rao performing a stealth kill. Oh. So cool. Ooh. Cool. <laughs> nice, nice, little, uh, nice little thing there. Nice little Easter egg. Physical, Physical Easter, Easter egg. Sure. We like those. Finally, from the forum, thanks, everybody. We have Utopian Blaster, another new contributor, I think. Bit of a flawed gem, this. The presentation was definitely above average with some nice loading screens and character design. Sexy Archer ladies. <laughs> Sexy <laughs> Archer ladies. I mentioned this earlier. I'm just saying, going on. <laughs> Uh, I didn't. Yeah. Anyway, uh, unexpectedly violent too. The story, however, was pretty basic, and I seem to remember the ending being very abrupt. Although I only played it through once. So the dark Gameplay one it was. wise, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good chunk. 
Gameplay-wise, I enjoyed the stealth sections and crow vision. Uh, it's a raven, different Corvid. It was a novel <laughs> twist. I was less keen on the melee combat and sometimes struggled with timing on combos. Haha, there you go. It just felt a bit off to me. That's somebody playing the original, so yeah. maybe it wasn't just us or the tech. Sadly, stealth went out the window in the last level and it became a painful slog. Shame that it ended on a bum note for me anyhow, but overall, I have fond memories of it. Thank you. And a little group of three-word reviews from Twitter. Chris, start with you. Yes, this is from uh, Brendan Agnew. Beautiful, brutal, frustrating. Richard Burt says, circle, cross, square. Sent us the symbols. <laughs> it's nice. an audio medium, but I like it. Uh, the Tej says, Cree Havoc stylishly. Gavin McMahon deserves a sequel. Well, it's <laughs> funny you should say that. Yeah. <laughs> Gavin, here's your dreams. All made true. Now, as much as I'm the one who said I do remember this game from the time of launch, when I was about to put this show together, I thought sometimes these are really nice for me because it's just like it's completely self-contained. I like to have a look at what the developers did before and after, but there's no kind of this comes here in the series and yeah, 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 yeah. Turns out there's a sequel. <laughs> it was also re-released on the PS4 at the same time as it was. As, uh, as this one. So you can get it. However, the the response to it was less positive. I've now added it to our big spreadsheet. I doubt very much we'll ever do it, the, the full show treatment like we have with this. But the option is there because we can, as I think this has been interesting and I think it would be interesting to see why it's not considered as good as this one broadly speaking yeah even if we don't even if we don't i i might uh, i might look into giving it a shot just to see yeah, sure i'm kind of intrigued just to see because i'm looking at some of the screenshots now and it seems like there's a lot of people he's brawling with and it seems a lot more action based yeah how many zombies are in the last level uh, yeah. it starts off with we'll, just we'll zombies. see i guess the zombie killing. just it's Maybe dead that's rising. why that's, <laughs> that's why that's yeah. why it didn't review as well it's just yeah. that last level for six more levels so shortly after the release of The Mark of Creed, Jay Beard decided to start his own his own studio. Many of the people who worked on The Mark of Creed joined Jay Beard and created Bottle Rocket Entertainment. This was Bottle Rocket Entertainment's only game apart from one which came out also on uh, the PS2, but also Xbox, PSP and DS in 2006 called Shaolin Showdown. And that was that. Uh, they were later commissioned by Sony to develop the sequel Rise of the Kasai to Mark of Cree. That is, of course. So, yeah, um, Anthony Frisina in that article from Review Fix says the Rise of Kasai is all that remains of this franchise and it is an underwhelming follow up to such a remarkable entry. It still sticks in many gamers craws that the Rise of Kasai is the last they will ever hear of Rao and Kuzo's adventures together. The Mark of Cree deserved more and still does. Hmm. Mm. And yeah, we saw mentioned it earlier and I started watching it today. It's one of the modern Disney animations I've yet to see, but I do have Disney Plus. I watched the first half an hour or so. They said, Moana, don't you've literally just been told don't go in the sea because your dad went in the sea and his friend died. And then you literally after one song go in the sea with your little pig. And what happens? You come a cropper. Kids, huh? I know. idiots. <laughs> she saved the world. Okay. Spoilers. But come on, 
<laughs> okay. This is all very film, they didn't show save right a world. Now. What's going on? Okay, with, <laughs> with, 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 I'm sorry, twin uh, seven-year-olds, am I correct? Um, mm-hmm. How many yeah. times have you seen Moana? I was going to say, you might have seen this film more to than once. To be fair, it doesn't actually always require me to watch it with the girls. Like, I, no, I've, no. It's actually one of the better films from... Yeah. I was going to say, I've, I've actually heard pretty positive things. Oh, it's really well, it's really, it's really well done. It's really well loved. And that studio, Big Hero 6, Wreck-It Ralph, Frozen, good stuff. Um, John Hamlin mentioned it in his his piece on The Mark of Creed from the other week. Much like the Disney movie movie Moana, which almost certainly took some inspiration from the game. Well... Cree wields... Oh, I don't know. (laughs) Cree wields Polynesian folklore to a road trip backbone, telling a classic hero's journey story, albeit one with a lot more bloodshed. I think that's a stretch. I really Mm. do. I don't know. Uh, I think I, I think it's a. I think maybe there's. I don't think. I don't think it's. I, th- I think almost certainly is a stretch. But I think it's not inconceivable that the big chunky tattooed Polynesian folklore. But that is Polynesian hero. folklore. <laughs> that's what. That's what I was going to say. I, my guess would be that maybe they both took inspiration from the yeah. same places. I don't know that I would yeah, necessarily so. make the uh, make the connection directly. But I guess you never know. We never know. And, well, there are less brutal assassinations in the movie. Well, I say that. I've only watched the Have first Have you seen the now. crap in that film? Like, oh, my God. that, that oh, No, it's, it's a whole different story. It freaks my girls out still now. <laughs> and they've seen the film 20 times. Anyway, it's got a great cast. And it's got uh, the fella from Flight of the Concords mm-hmm. writing some of the music and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's all, it's all good. But probably completely unrelated anyway <laughs> you can cut that out the extended uh, the non-extended version Jay. <laughs> that's probably a patreon exclusive Mo- moana chat our thoughts on moana <laughs> uh right so yeah it just leaves us to summarize we will conclude with chris as it was his pick i'm not really sure who is more or less positive or negative among us but uh let's just start with leah okay um so I, I actually did really like this game. Um, it, we've, we've talked to death about the last level and how it let us down and, and how we, we have issues with it. So I don't think I need to beat that into the ground anymore here. But this, there are a lot of things in Mark of Cree that uh, show up in games that were developed later. Um, and maybe the games that were developed later that I personally enjoy, I should say. Um, Mm. And maybe these are not the most polished versions of some of those systems. And, you know, they're, they're definitely uh, a little bit embryonic in places, but I still think that it's really interesting to see. I I was not expecting the game to be this. I I think I was expecting more of a straightforward um, kind of 3d action platformer type thing. Um, and I got more than that. And that last level aside, I, I really enjoyed the combat puzzles. I, I enjoyed approaching them uh, the same way that I would with, a, you know, a Dark Souls or, or, or something of that nature to uh, to kind of find the best way forward and through without uh, getting myself killed in the process. So, um, yeah, I, I would say that if you've uh, if you've seen this game and uh kind of written it off as you know a a cartoony platformer then there might be more here than you expect and uh this is not to say that it's necessarily going to be your favorite game of all time although again you never know but uh i i i think it's worth it if you uh if you find it in a sale and it's it's inexpensive and this appeals to you then yeah go ahead um i i think it's it's enjoyable enough for uh for me to have sunk time into it uh 
it probably more time than I needed to just for the podcast itself. <laughs> but um, but yeah, yeah, I um, I had a good time with it overall, and uh, I, uh, I I think that there's a lot more here than I was expecting. Hmm. Yeah, I would file this one under. Uh, this is something I've said in many summaries, but I'm glad <laughs> I played it. It's uh, it's an an old game that I've ended up coming to way way later than I probably should have done. As in, I would have got more out of it when I wasn't when I hadn't been so spoiled by games that have come since and kind of done things that this game could never have done with. Uh, gameplay and audio visuals and stuff but overall despite some frustrations mechanically uh, i i have relatively warm feelings about the game overall but it's not one that i would return to because as i say the actual rewards for playing it weren't uh, weren't spectacular i suppose probably a few more trophies i could go back in and get which would be some very much uh, i don't know if if you can get extrinsic rewards within the game, I guess meta rewards are trophies, but um, yeah, it was, it's clunky definitely in places. There were some really, really ugly moments of gameplay involving trying to do ledge stealth takedowns and then ju- uh, just like walking off the ledge and kind of dropping on. Oh, that happened without... to me a lot. I forgot about yes. that. <laughs> yeah. And it just is those bits, which, there's definitely something to be said for some contemporary games post this kind of giving the player too easy a time in terms of just making yeah the criticism that games that play themselves basically you press a button and cool cinematics happen this game does actually require a bit more of the player than than that and you do have to think about yeah stuff like blocking and using different combos but when the actual mechanics that are being offered up aren't entirely reliable. As I say, we can't say for certain whether that's to do with playing it now uh, on the hardware and stuff like that, but it sounds like maybe not. Uh, it sounds like it's maybe just, um, you know, uh, embryonic stuff in a lot of cases. But yeah, I think that that curious marriage of Bluth-esque visuals and violence kind of works. And some of the audio, while I'm struggling to sort of remember it, it's not like catchy tunes as such, but I know that some of it affected me in a cool way at the time. Um, so, yeah, uh, not one that I would unreservedly recommend. But as Leah said, if you see it in a PSN sale on your, for PS4 for like four quid, I'd say it's worth checking out. But I wouldn't say it's essential that everyone goes back to to play this missing link. A Tony? Yeah, the, playing this game reminded me of my time going back and playing Tenchu uh, for the show, which is, I think it's got a bunch of really interesting you know, kernels of ideas that have been taken by games post-release of this and perfected in a much better um, fashion. I think if I'd played it at the time, those kernels probably would have been really interesting to me. As it is, I'm probably bogged down by the fact that I know these game mechanics could be so much better. So when, like you say, Leon, I want to perform something and I know it's within my own ability to do so. And I feel like the game is the thing that just hasn't, it's not in its full state where it needs to be for me to perform those actions without necessarily having to revert back and trying it over and over and over again on the last save. That stuff probably just piled up on me a lot more than it by the sounds of it did for you guys 
So I found myself probably more entangled in just a pure combat rather than willing to go back and just repeat the stealth over and over again. And actually, ironically by that, the last level, like it was frustrating, but I, I kind of it didn't have too much issues going through it because I think by the time I'd got there, I'd already kind of mastered the, just the, the I'm not mastered, but become quite used to having to deal with a lot of, you know, aggro being thrown at my way. Um, and by the end of the game, you know, I was fairly disinterested by, by the whole thing, which is, which is unfair, I think, on a lot of good ideas. And I think that's what it is. If my, my memory of this game now in 2020 and coming to it fresh in 2020 is a game of a bunch of really good ideas that just aren't fleshed out for somebody coming to it new in this era. And I do wish that I just had the opportunity, you know, back upon its release to have made that, oh, that's a really cool box art on on the shelf to actually picking it up and, you know, informing my uh, my lexicon of knowledge of games a bit more over the years and actually seeing other stuff take those ideas and become more yeah. fully flesh with that. Um, could have made cool references yeah, yeah, to I the Mark of Cree on a Batman show so, or whatever, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was all about. But, it, but in the end, I think, you know, my opinion is what my opinion is now, which I, I, I just... It's not a game I'm going to, you know, get up on the, on the rafters here and say, yo, everybody should go and play it. I just think it's a game, once again, we've done this plenty of times in the show. It's a really interesting piece of game, uh, of interesting game of its time that has, unfortunately, times kind of left it standing still. Not to say that there isn't enjoyment to be had because, you know, there was times that I did enjoy it. But I think, you know, listening to, to Chris and Leah talk about it in that kind of, much more kind of infused in passion about the stealth. I just, you know, maybe I should have yeah, spent a bit more time stealth and then just kind of brute force my way through it. Maybe. Okay. Mm. You live and You home. played it wrong. <laughs> yeah. No, I, and I hate that. Stop I hate being told I played it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, let's conclude with uh, the person who nominated it for the show, Chris. So at this point, listen, I'm over again. Why? Why did Chris nominate this game out of all the thousands of hundreds of thousands <laughs> of games? Why? Well, you haven't figured it out by now, no, I'm not even patronising. The Mark of Cree is a very, very important game. It is. Even after 18 years after its release, and you can tell the blood, sweat and tears that made it went into making it, 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 it was worthwhile. It matters. Yes, it is not an excellent game. It really isn't. It's got lots of flaws, but it's also got lots of excellent aspects to it as well. I did not walk away from it resenting my time with it, and we've all been there with video games where we went, I just hate playing this game. It's a phrase I was not keen on, but, you know, just sort of bashed my way through it for, you know, despite itself. No, no, I did not do that. Even the last level, I'm not going to carry on bashing about that. <laughs> I still, in the whole, I've walked away thinking, yes, I've played and finished the Mark McCree, and I'm happy that I did. It's an important game. Should you play it? Well, as someone, person, I'm, I'm speaking from someone who has a great enthusiasm about game design, as everyone knows, you know, uh, and for that reason, I, that is why I put it there. That's why it's on the list, the, the hallowed list, and I stood by it and said, no, we need to talk about this game because it's important. Kane Events is worth anything, is, is its understanding of the medium and the studying of it. Mm -hmm. And that does mean, does require us, I believe, as, an, as, as we profess our um, expertise in video games, uh, and we do have that. And uh, in order to do that, 
we have to play things like this as well. So yes, it's not a classic, I do not believe. I'm not going to use that word with the Mark of Cree, but I think it is an important game to play. And I still stand by that, especially after playing through it and seeing what it's doing. There's lots and lots of aspects of it that we now take for granted to this day. And we've got a lot to thank for the makers of the Mark of Cree for what we experience now. Uh, and uh, thankfully, a lot of the stuff and the, the fudges and the negatives that we spoke about didn't carry on. Of course it didn't, because it didn't work. That's how design works. That's how it works. But it's really nice to know that something there was a kernel of something here, more than a kernel in some regards. Some of it's pretty well fleshed out, but it wasn't quite there, as, as some people have mentioned already. And that is why the Marker 3 is a game that, if you want to know about mechanics or have any interest in it, it should experience at least a little bit of it, if in my opinion. So there you go. Nice. Thank you. And it's, yeah, it's one of those rare games in which you can definitively see who's got the horn. But it remains for me, Leon, to thank Chris, Leah, Tony, Editor Jay, all of our correspondents. And, of course, to you for listening. And to tell you that next time, in issue 430, it's Paper Mario. <laughs> <laughs>